I'm so insignificant, I can't even kill myself. Miles, what the hell is that supposed to mean? <sighs> Come on, man, you know, Hemingway, Sexton, Plath, Wolf. You can't kill yourself before you've even been published. <sighs> what about the guy that wrote Confederacy of Dunces? He committed suicide before he was published. Look how famous he is. Thanks. Just don't give up, all right? You're gonna make it. Half my life is over, and I have nothing to show for it. Nothing. I'm a thumbprint on the window of a skyscraper. I'm a smudge of excrement on a tissue surging out to sea with a million tons of raw sewage. See? Right there. Just what you just said, that is beautiful. A smudge of excrement surging out to sea. Yeah. I could never write that. Neither could I, actually. I think it's Bukowski. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 155, Sideways. That's right. We keep rolling. This is another pretty big episode, I feel like, for us, at least as far as characters and movies that you can relate to. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been a character that I've related to more than Miles from Sideways. And the sad thing is, when I first saw this movie, and I literally had just turned... 21 oh, i was wow. relating to this character that's pretty sad yeah well i was actually <laughs> thinking to myself and obviously you know we'll get into the things we need to get into and then get rolling with the show but i was thinking like i feel like i was relating to this type of character around my early 20s as well yeah in a way that i couldn't really imagine relating to now you know i just can't imagine really like going through the feelings that he's experiencing Oh, you're saying you just have no emotion. Right, exactly. Right. Like, I've gotten past all those really hard times, and now it's just like you've matured. Well, or you just don't care about anything anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Well, give it some time. Wait till you're divorced. Okay. All right. It'll come back around. Okay. (laughs) This movie comes from that much celebrated time period that we often like to reference on this show that 2003, 2004. Oh, yeah. 2004 is such an underrated year for movies. I believe you've mentioned that before. Yeah. I'm not going to go through the list again. We talked okay. about it on the Eternal Sunshine episode, I believe. Or Royal Tenenbaums, maybe? Well, that came out in 2001, so I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we weren't talking about 2004 yeah, on that one. I don't know why I was thinking we went through a time period of movies around then, too. Maybe we did 2001 as well, movies that came probably. out. Probably. <laughs> no, there, I think we've probably done more than one 2004 movie, though. Yeah. I just not I'm not thinking of it right now. But okay. whatever. Sideways was directed by Alexander Payne, written by Payne with Jim Taylor, and won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay 
as it's based on the novel of the same name by Rex Pickett. And I was reading that Payne's interest in the film and or in the book and buying it, the film rights, is what got the book published. I mean, it wasn't even published Oh, really? Yet. And it ended up coming out like a month before the movie. Wow, that's kind of an interesting <laughs> trajectory for a piece of literature. Pickett also wrote a sequel to Sideways called Vertical, which Payne has expressed no interest in. Have you read that? No. Okay. Do I don't, I'm not even no sure if I read Sideways. I vaguely recall possibly reading okay. it, but I don't know. One of the things that we were talking about before we even turned the microphones on was our shock at both the initial budget of $16 million for this film, which I know. seems crazy. I guess it was just still during that time. Yeah, like, and obviously he was coming off of a big hit, both critically and commercially, with About Schmidt. Yeah. But still, $16 million for a movie like this, I mean, it's unfathomable in today's... No, it does seem crazy climate i wish that studios were willing to invest 16 million in a movie like this more regularly now it seems a bit excessive because i could potentially imagine almost the exact same looking movie for much less i know i'm not really sure where that 16 million went (laughs) and the box office though was 109.7 million which again i could not imagine this movie even opening to i would have thought 10 million was like a limited release or something i mean you saw it in the theater this movie was not on my radar at all when when it first came out like when it had its theatrical run completely blew by me i didn't know anything about it i didn't even really know who alexander payne was at this point in my life yeah this was the beginning of a time period where i started to get more interested in the academy awards and the prestige movies at the end of the year I don't really know why specifically it was 2004. I think it was just the age I was at or whatever and my interest in film growing. I don't think I was there yet. This was one of those movies that got that early buzz of like, oh, this is going to win Best Picture. And of course, by the time the Oscars rolled around, it only won one award for the adapted screenplay. But it was a lesson for me about how the hype machine works and how different movies seem like they're the favorite when they come out and then things change dramatically or whatever i think million dollar baby ended up winning best picture that year it's hard to envision a dark comedy being this successful too you know what i mean i i understand that obviously we've had the judd apatow hundred million dollar comedies or and everything but those are more have more of like a shock value or something this is like pretty some kind of yeah and they appeal looks at people's lives the, the Apatow stuff appeals to a, a younger demographic, I think, right. than what this is aimed at. Although we enjoyed it Absolutely. at a younger age, but yeah. I don't think that's what its intention is. It's much more towards middle age and stuff like that. But this movie had a lot of buzz and a lot of talk. I mean, it had a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 223 reviews, which is an insane amount. Okay, universally beloved. Everyone seemed to be talking about it, and it made over $100 million. It was... It was kind of a big deal at that time. It was certainly one of my favorite movies of that year. I think the other one that we talked about was Closer because that was another one. Do you want to know of my favorites of that era? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I think my barometer at this time of what a big movie was after it came out when you would go into Blockbuster and like how many copies they'd have of that one movie. Right. And I think Sideways might have been one of those movies that I walked in and I was like, "Oh wow." <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of copies of this. And that definitely seems like a movie that a lot of 38 to 50 year olds were renting 
like husbands and wives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just a, I don't know, it just seems like a, a suburban rental for a lot of people. Yeah, this was uh, whew, in those leading into my heyday at Blockbuster 2 when they would just like sell everything. You could get the DVDs, three for 15, four for 15. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I would load up on those, me and Keith. Yeah, this movie still feels very contemporary to me, but when you talk about it in that context, you remember that it's 15 years old. I mean, oh, yeah. It's, it's basically just from a completely different era, and people in their 20s now and younger probably aren't super familiar I, well, yeah. with this I mean, movie. You do have to figure, I was a junior in high school when it came out, so it's yeah. like, or, you know, if it came out in the fall, then I guess I was like starting my senior year. Right. I think I saw it for the first time on HBO in like the the following year, maybe it was 2006. I just watched it on HBO on demand, not really with like high expectations. I, I was just sort of like, I'm gonna watch this movie that's on here. You're like, it's, is Jim Carrey talking with his butt cheeks in this? I was like, nope, it's not got for me. <laughs> it's got the girl from Grey's Anatomy in it. Right. I recognize her. Paul Giamatti, I'm, I was kind of always like meh about, because I would just be like, I know he's like considered a great actor, but I think during that era of my life, it's like, why is this guy an actor? Look at him. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I do think that this movie changed everyone in its standing. Absolutely. But certainly Giamatti, too, who got like a lot of buzz at the time. Although well, he ended up not being nominated for Best Actor. And as we've talked about before, Wings, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, it's I'm never picturing anyone who was on Wings to go off and be like a big star. I know it's funny because one of my recommendations had something to do with Wings as well. <laughs> well I you, tied it in with Hayden Church. So my appreciation for Thomas Hayden Church was so much higher after seeing this movie. Well, it's interesting because he was at the same position in his career that Jack is almost. Now, granted, he was more successful, obviously, but he had pretty much given up on acting and was doing oh, voiceover wow. work and stuff. And he had auditioned for Payne for About Schmidt, and Payne didn't use him for that movie, but had kept him in mind and wanted to use him for this, which is interesting because George Clooney was campaigning to be Jack and wanted to play Jack. I I think you had told me that before. And now I watch this movie and think about that. How unbelievable would this character be? Yeah, Payne thought that Clooney would just be too recognizable, too known, and because of his reputation coming into the movie people would just like him too much yeah and almost like he just has way more of a natural charm whereas like thomas hayden church you can like buy the 100 percent sleaze yeah his he has charm but it's very cringy right where an outsider i.e the audience is looking at it and wants to throw up yes right like clooney <laughs> just is like too magnetic yeah and of course clooney would go on to work with pain yes, in absolutely. the descendants which would be after this right few years which he was good in certainly i just uh it's hard to picture clooney in the jack role here yeah i agree so let's roll it back for a second and remind everyone to follow the show on twitter at greatest pod make sure you're subscribed because god knows you're getting just drenched with content right now yeah people are gonna need a chance just to soaked catch with content. up here at some point but uh <laughs> yeah I, hey I, bank those episodes absolutely. for a trip that's right now I'm already just feeling like we're going to have so much to say about this movie because we haven't even gotten through our normal intro yet, and it's like we're already jumping at stuff Chomping we want to get to. Chomping at a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, we needed to bring a little bit more energy this time around. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's okay. I mean, I think, I think we were happy with the Stand By Me episode, but the energy was a little lower. Well, I think it was appropriate for a movie that, you know, I said, nothing makes me sadder in this world. Well, I had to it. stop myself at one point because I was like, if I go too far down this road, I'm going to start tearing up. And I know. I don't know if that'll be good for the podcast. It really is. And that was shockingly very early on in the episode <laughs> yeah. that I felt it coming. And I'm like, I got to like pump the brakes a right. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know people are like, "What are Matt's recommendations?" It's like a a video of the a YouTube video movie moments. <laughs> yeah, when I was posting the episode and then writing into the description the recommendations, I was just like, "Oh my god, a YouTube <laughs> it's video true to myself." So, so yeah, make sure you're subscribed because you never know when we're gonna post something. Make sure you're continuing to spread the word. And having said all that, we might as well just jump right into Sideways, a film that was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Hayden Church, Best Supporting Actress for Virginia Madsen, Best Adapted Screenplay, which it won and was a big box office success and pretty much launched the four main leads to like the next level in their careers. Okay. Because, granted, I mean, it's not like any of them became the next huge movie star, but it certainly raised their profiles from where they were in 2004. It was pretty much a game changer for them. Yeah. I don't know who you would say had the most successful career coming into it. I guess in terms of films, it would be Virginia Manson, who had been working pretty steadily for a while. But Hayden Church being on Wings was also pretty big. Yeah, I and I mean, I feel like he would pop up in things, right? I guess. I mean, more so after this. Okay. But I don't know. It's interesting thinking about Virginia Madsen's performance in this movie compared to the other movie that we've done on the podcast where she features, which is The Hot Spot. That's right. <laughs> Completely hard, different character. Hard to bring her up without mentioning that movie. God, I love Virginia Madsen. I mean, she is just in my wheelhouse. Yeah. You think that her character in The Hot Spot's a little bit different from her character in this movie? Well, just a tad. Yeah. <laughs> Shows her range. That's right. Miles is shown up at her apartment, and she's like disrobing. <laughs> somehow just randomly starts talking in a southern accent <laughs> yeah her brother is michael madsen in case people didn't know i'm not really sure what she's been up to super recently but i know that i watched Candyman not that long ago and she's in that now granted that was from like the early 90s but that's right whatever just always been a fan it's nice to see her this is probably i don't know a year removed from the beginning of Grey's Anatomy, which somehow I just referenced. I know. In Wish Upon a Star, and here I we are referencing too. it again. Yeah. So I was somewhat familiar with Sandra because I believe she was in the first season. I thought, yeah, I think so. Again, I definitely knew. at the, By the time I watched this movie in 2006, I knew who she was from Grey's Anatomy. She was married to Alexander Payne at the time. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Although I think they divorced shortly after, maybe two years or so after this movie came out. That was one of the selling points to convince Thomas Hayden Church to get back into acting was like, oh, well, you're going to get to have sex with my wife in the movie. <laughs> in real life. <laughs> yeah. You got to test it out. Do you think like Sandra O's character was reflecting herself in real life a little bit? What do you mean? I don't know. Just they keep describing her as like wild. and Oh, yeah. Insatiable. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard rumors that the divorce was pretty acrimonious and okay. that they hated each other, but I don't <laughs> well, know. You'll have that. Do you think that <laughs> a lot of passion going on? <laughs> Alexander Payne went on like a miles like run after. <laughs> What's up with you? You remember our little talk outside? Get your shit together. I'm fine. I'm fine. Where were you? 
bathroom? Did you drink and die? Hmm? No. Why do you always have to do this? Victoria is gone. Gone. Poof. In the wind. I mean, you're blowing a great opportunity here with Maya. Maya she's great. She's cool. She's funny. She knows wine. I mean, what is this morose come down bullshit? These girls want to party with us. Huh? And what was that 10 minute lecture on boys' boo vrays? Are you kidding me? Who gives a fuck? Let's just say that I'm uncomfortable with the whole scenario. Have you forgotten all the bad times you had with Victoria? How small she can make you feel? Isn't that why you had the affair with Brenda in the first place? Shut, shut your face and shut up. Have you even noticed how Maya's looking at you? Oh, come on, man. You've got her in the hook. Reel her in. Let's ratchet this up a notch. Here, drink some Agua Fria. Let's talk about Miles, played by Paul Giamatti, and Jack, played by Hayden Church, a little bit. Thomas Hayden Church, for those that don't know. Miles is middle-aged, still aspiring to be a writer, trying to get his novel published, but he teaches middle school English in the meantime, and he's pretty much a loser yeah. in all I'd say so. ways. You know, one of the things Divorced. That, uh, right. One of the things that I think about this movie, and I find kind of unique about this movie is i feel like there's sort of like a de-glorification of california this is sort of like probably what most people who live in california's lives are more like than what we mostly see in california related movies it's not that flashy you just get used to a, a certain look and lifestyle of california type characters and i feel like this the look of the places they're going in these movies or in this movie don't quite fit what i'm used to yeah, I mean, it's definitely grounded in reality instead of a, a fantasy. It's not like these are characters from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something. It's not like uh, Catherine Trammell's life in Basic Instinct. No, I mean, I do think that certainly Miles's economic status is probably a factor. Although, when I was looking into the Hitching Post, I did wonder how Miles would afford to be going there all the time. Well, I yeah, obviously we get a scene where he's coming up with some money for this trip and how he does that. But that crossed my mind as well. I'm just like, this lifestyle would be insane. Because just, I was getting the impression that the Hitching Post is actually like really expensive. Just going out to, but I mean, just going out to eat and all the time and like drink wine. I mean, that's a, a pricey outing. Right. When they were doing like the double date the first time and they're ordering all those different yeah. bottles, I was thinking about how Robin ordered $800 bottles of wine. <laughs> with with Howard Stern yeah, yeah. when Howard Stern was paying for them. I mean that's the thing. I'm thinking, <laughs> I was like, how much are these bottles? There's yeah, so many I, of I them. I know. I'm thinking they're at least like fifty bucks. Yeah, I don't at know. At a time. So you know, Robin is a wine expert. I said to her, "Listen, Robin, <laughs> I'm going to give you the wine menu. Pick out a wine for us to drink." And Robin picked out a beautiful wine. They served it. Was delicious. And the waiter comes over to me, would you like to continue with this one? I said, sure, if Robin picked it, that, you know, that's what she wants, that's what we'll have. Well, that's why I sent him over to you. I said, you oh. ask Mr. Stern if he oh. wants to continue Yeah, sure. With this. I mean, absolutely, it was delicious. We're getting toward the end of the meal. The waiter comes over, and he hands everybody at the table an envelope. I open up the envelope, and it's the actual label to the bottle yeah. of wine yeah. to show you what you have. I've been to Danielle a couple of times. They never do that. I said, what? uh-oh, what the fuck is going on here? Why are they giving me the... Maybe because they know this is my crew and this is important to me. Robin ordered a wine. Now, I don't know where you grew up, but <laughs> oh, actually I did. Oh, here we go. You know where I grew up. When someone says to you, order a bottle of wine, 
Listen to me, so you know this for the future. <laughs> I'm all right with it. Say. I'm fine I with it. I know what you're going to say. Uh, you, you say to yourself, okay, what am I going to order here? I have never look, ordered. Let me to tell this. you about the wine list. Now, he didn't look at the mm. wine I've list. I've been there a million times. I know the wine list. There were bottles of wine there that were $1,200. All right. Were there bottles that are 100 or $200? I was looking at the French section, so I don't okay. know. <laughs> let me finish, because I'm going to teach you something. I, I know you know everything, but let me teach you one thing if I can. And you'll, this will stick with you, even if you fight me on the air about it. So I get the bill. I went like this. <gasps> like, like my breath. No, you did not. Yeah, I, I went like this. You did. I was there. I did. Gary saw it. <laughs> you must have had. Uh, you no. must have needed a burp or something. And Beth made a comment. She even joked about no. that the first time they went out, Howard looks at the bill and he makes that face. But the, no. this time he wasn't kidding. Let me tell you something. So I had to add it up. Each bottle of wine was $800. <laughs> Three bottles. It wow. was good wine. Wine bill alone was over $2,400. <laughs> I didn't tell them to keep bringing it. So we talked a little bit about Miles and how much of a loser he is and where he's at in life. Things have just not really worked out for him. And in this movie, at least in this particular story, his Achilles heel seems to be his own anxiety. But essentially that makes him a better person a little bit than Jack. Because what I, what I mean by that is he's unwilling to just live life like Jack. Oh, because right. yeah. there's some sort of... He certainly has some moral code, but then it's also yeah, like... Yeah, there's some morality that's dick. pulling him in a little bit. That just refi- right. Anytime that Jack wants him to just fuck Maya, he's thinking about more than just having sex with her. He's thinking like, well, how would this relationship work? Oh, yeah. This is built upon a lie. I don't live here, blah, 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 like all these different things. And it's she just works like in the service industry, things that Jack would never consider because he's just living a completely different life right. and existence. So Jack is about to get married to Christine. This is basically their week long bachelor party going to the Santa Inez Valley in wine country. This is kind of in the same region that they filmed Halloween three. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're back to referencing Halloween three in every episode somehow. <laughs> So the movie opens with Miles being late to picking Jack up on day one of their trip. We learn a little bit about Jack's novel. He is trying to get this thing published. It's now at some sort of a specialty publishing house. It seems like a last resort kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. But he's still waiting to hear back. And By the way, Jack just relentlessly telling people that the book is getting published. (laughs) Yeah, including Christine and Christine's family. Oh, yeah. Should we point it out, by the way, Jack living in an incredibly nice house. Across the street from O.J. Simpson's house. There you go. The house that he lived in in 94 when the murders happened. Just wanted to point that wow. out. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so you know it must be a nice house. That's right. Yeah, I do think that the recurring thing of Jack telling people about the novel getting published is sort of a microcosm of their whole friendship where Jack runs around and says and does whatever he wants and then Miles is left there. Feeling like a fool when he has to explain why this isn't happening or just bask in the humiliation of the lie. Whereas it just seemingly never phases Jack. Eventually they get in the car. They're headed up to this place that they're going. But Miles springs a surprise onto Jack when they pull off on an early exit to stop by Miles' mom's house. Yeah, and this is just... I mean, (laughs) when you talk about why I wouldn't think that this movie would be that successful. <laughs> Just think about a scene like this. And I mean, this is dark. 
what, yeah it's what real pathetic so unbeknownst to jack the next day is miles's mom's birthday which makes it even more embarrassing and horrible that this is happening they stop over under the pretense of wanting to surprise her for her birthday She's even calling Miles' sister, and they're trying to organize, like, a day for the next day. And Jack is just like, what the fuck is going on? We need to get on the road. They're having dinner there. And then once his mother is engaged in some sort of a conversation with Jack, Miles slinks away, (laughs) sneaks upstairs to her bedroom, and helps himself to some cash that she keeps hidden, like, in her underwear drawer. Right. And it's just like, oh, no. Yeah. So dark. It really is. (laughs) And to add to it, before they, like, finish and, like, leave or whatever, she's like, do you need some money? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. And then it just kind of turns into them staying the night there. And Jack, I guess, is sleeping in her bed. And she's just asleep on the couch, which is even more sad. Well, yeah, was that <laughs> – I'm thinking that was intentional that we don't see that part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like he wakes up and she let Jack have her bed. <laughs> Yeah, they sneak away that morning, and that's the morning of her birthday, so they leave without even waking her up or telling her. Oh, well, and she was pitching all this stuff to Miles, like, the night before about yeah. some, like, brunch they could go to or whatever with other family members or something. Right. So, after this, Jack makes the announcement that his gift to Miles for being his best man is that he's going to get him laid. Wow. Much to the chagrin of... Miles, yeah, you can I, already see the writing on the wall. I would have taken a gift card. <laughs> I think most of us have had a friend like Jack at various points, and you don't really know why you stay friends with this person. Yeah, that's right. There is a moment coming up later in the film that I think is interesting when Miles kind of yes refers lays to their it out background. On the line. It's almost one of those things where you just fall into something and then here you are all these years later and you never got out of it. It's just still ongoing. So they head into Santa Barbara County, California. Almost immediately, Jack is bringing up potential cold feet about this marriage. Like they haven't even been there more than like an hour. And he's already talking about, do you think I'm doing the right thing? Am I making a huge mistake? (laughs) And Miles is, of course, just like, oh no, this is... This is headed in a direction yeah. I didn't see coming. Because Miles just thought this was going to be a very chill week of doing wine tastings and going golfing and stuff like that. And Jack, Jack in has, his mind, has his own plans yeah. for the week. I think that's interesting to me, though, too, Like of the location. I feel like if Jack was trying to have a more wild experience, he would have like pushed for a different destination. Yeah, well, I guess part of it is... He had to get the approval yeah, of his future wife. Yeah, you don't want to raise any suspicions. And also... What's Miles going to be Yeah, Miles for? would probably not be willing to do much, which I can certainly relate to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've fully mentioned it, but Jack's whole thing is he was an actor. He was on a soap opera years ago. Clearly, his best years are behind him. He's not really getting real work anymore outside of commercials. His plan is to enter his future father-in-law's real estate business once he's married. I definitely think one of the underlying elements of the movie is the unfairness of life. It is, yeah. It's definitely crystallized at the end of the movie, well, towards the end of the movie, when they finally get back to Christine's house. But just this idea that Jack is clearly a terrible person, yet things just seem to Work out fall into him. place. Right. Even coasting on his looks to be an actor, even when that dries up, he's just marrying into something else that he can do exactly 
doesn't really seem to have much ambitions, which You're making me works angry. out in his favor. <laughs> yeah. Because Miles has all these hopes and dreams, and those things are only serving to be anchors on him, to make him miserable. Because he oh, yeah. wants something so bad that he can't really get. Whereas oh, Jack doesn't really seem to want anything other than basic things like fucking and stuff like that. I think there's a lesson here. <laughs> yeah. Why bother having dreams? Right. <laughs> it's just a waste of time. So they head to the hitching post to the aforementioned restaurant. I love that they go to the hotel and then they're basically like walking down the main drag to like get to this place. There's like a car dealership. Yeah, right. I love that though because that's, so do I. that's a shot that... The reason that it feels probably weird is I think in other versions of California, those exact same places probably exist. They just don't shoot it that way. Yeah. This is like if you just took a camera out to like McKnight Road or something right. and just had, were walking along the side of the road. It's like oh, uh, you don't really dead. see that. <laughs> it's just a, a a look at things in a very no-frills reality way. I agree. There's, it doesn't even seem like particularly planned out of now, where they're filming it. It's just like, let's do it right here. This was certainly sort of a, a dark moment for me watching this and thinking about, boy, have there been times in my life where I relate to this. How many times has he shown up to the bar part of this restaurant by himself? Yeah. He's like in with all the staff, occasionally drinks with the staff after hours. It's like, oh boy. I think the even darker part is when you put the pieces together and realize that he went there a lot with Victoria, his ex-wife. Sure. So they all now know that She's he's divorced. no longer and in the mix. He's just showing up alone now. He used to be showing up with his wife. Because I think when he talks to her later, he does say, I was at the hitching post and I was thinking of you or something like that. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> at the hitching post, we see Maya for the first time, played by Virginia Madsen. Jack, of course, is like frothing at the mouth. Any woman that's even <laughs> remotely attractive, Jack just loses his goddamn that's mind. Right. Yeah. Now, it does turn out that, you know, Maya does have like a little bit of a thing for Miles, but Jack is that character that it's like anytime a chick even like talks to you, he's like, oh my God, she wants you, dude. She's yeah. so interested. <laughs> yeah, which I guess explains some of the hesitancy on Miles's part because right. he's probably heard this whole song oh, yeah. before. And he's convinced himself that Jack's she let him actually is married. Rejection situations. And of course, this all is indicative of how hard of a time Miles is going to have that week in containing Jack. The tranquility of the week is sliding out of oh, right. Miles' hands like dust in the wind. He's I like, oh no. One thing that I often forget is how quick things go off the rails with Jack. It's oh, only yeah. like two days into it. Not even. Yeah. <laughs> because he's already making it known, right. basically, that he's having this second is what I'm thoughts. To do this week. Yeah, the writing's on the wall before he even makes a declaration, which happens the next morning. Right. So okay. that's literally the first morning that they're there yeah, when yeah. he makes a, an announcement. But the clues were there leading up to this with the talk about having second thoughts about the marriage and then also him being adamant about getting miles laid. Because I think it's one of those situations where you just have to read between the lines as to what right. that means. Yes. It's like, well, what do you mean you're going to get me laid? Yeah, we got to find a couple of chicks. Right. And shack up somewhere. Which I do like that they didn't spring for two rooms. Too. Yeah. I love that they just have one hotel room with, like, beds right next to each other. I mean, come on. What, are they going to waste all that extra money? I get it. Certainly Miles isn't, or his mom's money, for that matter. How much money do you think he took from his mom? It looked like a thousand, but I wasn't really sure. I don't know. I mean, I know mom's probably not like the best accountant, but 
it does seem like you would notice like a thousand dollars missing from your stash I would say that you definitely get the impression that this isn't the first time. I know. It seemed to be like a plan from Oh, absolutely. all along. Yes. I mean, he knew what he was doing. So after dinner, they're sitting at the bar. Maya comes over. She's no longer wearing her, her wedding ring that Miles had been throwing out there, I guess, as a deterrent to prevent Jack from taking this any further in his mind. And they invite her over to have a drink. Things are going fairly well. And she says, what are you guys up to tonight? Yeah. And Miles is like, oh, we're pretty tired. We're going to go back to the motel and go to sleep. And the look on Jack's face is so great. (laughs) Speaking of things from the past, by the way, kind of surprising to see her smoking inside. Yeah. I'm not sure. I I can't imagine that this is legal anywhere in California at this point. No. I'm assuming it's probably illegal most places outside, too. Yeah. It's only like certain places. I mean... When I was living in New York, I mean, it had been outlawed since like the 90s. And then when I came here, you could still find bars where you could smoke in. Yeah. Well, it's also after hours, so true. maybe things but are a little come on. different. I mean, it's got to make the restaurant like smell if you're smoking in there. Yeah, that's true. So the next morning after this disappointment, because Miles shoots everything down to go to sleep, <laughs> they're sitting at some, I don't know, restaurant or diner, and Jack, makes a proclamation that he is going to have sex this week. Yeah. <laughs> Which if immediately you see where this would ha- was headed. It immediately puts Miles off and this is what we were referencing with that moral center that sometimes tugs at Miles where despite his many many flaws, he does just flat out think that this is a wrong thing to do right. the week leading up to your wedding. Well, I think Miles also feels like if his life had worked out like Jack's had, he never would have fucked everything up. Yeah, that's uh, so probably I, true. I think like he feels like Jack has a good situation going. He's about to marry a nice, beautiful woman. Why do you want to fuck this up? Yeah, I think that's true. But I do think that there is a morality that comes oh, into yeah, it, too. Because sure. he's certainly put off by Jack's behavior. But it's almost like it's he can It's hard can't... not to be. <laughs> Jack is so over the top. He's so crass. Yeah, well, he just can't. I don't know. He he recognizes the issues, but he's so far along down this path with Jack that it's he just true. can't get off. Yeah, with- and I will say, while he is noticeably disgusted, it's not like he really tries hard to make like a press against Jack. This is a bad idea. You shouldn't right. do this. I mean, he flips out occasionally, but it's always very impotent feeling. Right. Like yes. there's no real threat of him doing anything. Later that day, they meet Stephanie who's a wine pourer at one of the wineries that they go to. Yes. This is the first. She uh, flirts pretty openly with Jack, and this somehow... Annoys Miles? Yes, but it also (laughs) leads to a conversation where she reveals that she somehow knows Maya. Right. Which is probably the biggest stretch. Jack just asks her her outright if she does. Now, there's a girl that knows how to pour. What's your name? Stephanie. Stephanie. Nice. So what do you think? Quaffable, but uh, far from transcendent. I like it. He's great. Oh. Cabernet Franc. This is only uh, the fifth year we've made this varietal. Very few wineries around here do a straight Cab Franc. It's from our vineyards up in Santa Maria. And it was a silver medal winner at Paso Robles last year. Mm. Mm. Well... I will tell you something. I've come never to expect greatness from a Cab Franc, and this one is no different. It's kind of a 
hollow, flabby, overripe. I don't know. Tastes pretty good to me. So, um, do you live around here, Stephanie? Yeah, up around Los Alamos. And I agree with you about Cal Franc. We're just over in Buellton, Windmill Inn. Oh, yeah? Do you happen to know a gal named Maya that uh, works with the Itchy Yeah, guys? sure. Yeah, I know Maya. Yeah, no yeah, shit. Real well, yeah. Oh, we had a drink with her last night. Miles knows her. Yes. Oh. Can we move on to the Syrah, please? Ooh, jumping at the bit, huh? Sure. This is our estate Syrah. You are a bad, bad girl, Stephanie. I know I need to be spanked. Did you get the feel that Miles is like intentionally trying to be a mood killer in this scene with his whole like Oh yeah. Every every wine that he tastes is just like disgusting, no thanks, and like pours it out. I mean, I think some of it is yeah, true I don't to know. his character, but it, it does feel like he's He's being overly right. obnoxious. Yes. Yeah, that's possible. I never really picked up on that. I just felt like when it came to wine that Miles was just annoying. Yeah. Because I think it, that's true too, but I kind of feel like he's picking up on the vibe that's going on between Jack and Stephanie, and that's, like, annoying him even more. Yeah, probably. I think I should point out that I don't know anything about wine, don't care about it. In fact, it kind of is annoying when people talk about it. Wow. And yet I still love this movie. Somebody opens a bottle and lets it breathe, and you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm more relatable to Jack <laughs> when it, in that scenario i'm oh, like yeah. what are we doing stop doing this it's annoying everyone yeah. <laughs> but that's what's so great about the movie is the thing that they talk about a lot there's a lot of material on wine multiple characters talk about it and yet i still love the movie even though i don't give a shit about wine at all well sure because the characters are so funny and pathetic right <laughs> i guess maybe maya is like a minor celebrity in the area because everyone goes to the hitching post so the waitresses there are known that's the only way i can justify why stephanie would know who maya is well either that or it's just like this kind of general service industry circuit where they all kind of or the hot chicks in town just know each other true even if they're like (laughs) over 40 i like yeah sandra O and virginia madsen are the hot chicks in town i don't know man i think sandra is pretty fucking banging in this movie yeah that's true I don't know what you're insinuating right now, but I don't like it. I'll say that. Plus, Virginia Madsen is a goddamn national treasure. Absolutely. After Jack puts these plans together for a double date with Stephanie and Maya, somehow. I know. This should be like a huge moment for Miles. but he's gonna- Well, it, immediately on the tail of this news is Jack revealing to Miles that Miles' ex-wife, Victoria who is coming to the wedding, yes. got remarried, Oof. which somehow That's a tough Miles one. didn't know about. Pretty brutal. Yeah. He must be going out of his way to make sure he's not getting any news. Yeah, it seems harder to believe now that everyone uses Facebook and social media and stuff that you could stay completely dark on all this news yeah, and that no one would mention this to him. It's true. I mean, it might be more believable, too, because there is like a – geographical discrepancy here because miles lives in san diego and jack lives in los angeles i I don't know where victoria lives now post-divorce but it seems like jack is still pretty tied to her life oh yeah i don't know that's the thing that also annoyed me a little bit because they don't really reveal it in the movie so i'm not really sure what the deal is but i can tell you right now if if i got married and then divorced and then people were like still friends with my ex-wife they would not be my friends. i agree with that sorry percent yeah (laughs) 
that's just not happening. I've stopped being friends with people for a lot less than that. Absolutely. Same here. <laughs> and people that don't get that, I just have no time for. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so you're thinking the double date should have been bigger news. I think, I mean, he's, his hesitancy to me is always tied in with True. him thinking, well, you're getting married. Yeah, okay, but also... If they were just there on their own and had, like, a, a outline of a plan for golf and wine, then I th- still think he'd be a bit of a stick in the mud, but I think it's amplified because True. he knows, like, what the fuck are you doing? You're getting married. What What is happening? And I, obviously, he's still hung up on the Victoria thing, too. Well, yeah, that's so, what I mean when he would still be a stick in the mud, yeah. but you have to think of it like this. Because of Jack's deception, he's inherently asking Miles to do it too. True. And Miles just doesn't want this pressure. Right. Like, I don't want to have to, like... Be stuck in this lie? Yeah. I mean, what if I say something wrong? Which, of course, he ends up doing, right. thankfully, to Maya and not to Christine. Although the result the future is... wife. <laughs> yeah. So they're pulled off on the side of the road. Jack breaks the news to Miles. Miles's reaction is unbelievably great when he's like everybody's going to be waiting to see if i get drunk and make a scene which pretty much just summarizes like the last 15 years of my life (laughs) everyone's just waiting to see if there's gonna be a scene oh yeah which seems rightfully so because miles is on the edge of making a scene several times throughout the movie and then does oh yeah even when Jack so talks some... to Christine on the phone, he's like, oh, he's having one of his freakouts. I mean, everybody talks about it. Right. Him. There's some acknowledgement from Miles <laughs> that, you know, there's yeah. a good possibility that a scene is a potential reality. I, I just love that shot of them running down the hill, Jack chasing after Miles. Miles has grabbed right. one of the bottles of wine yeah. that they bought, and he's just running down the hill trying to drink it. <laughs> there is some Certainly... childlike behavior from these two. Certainly something that was both in the TV commercials and the trailer and was one of the iconic moments. They get back to the hotel. Jack calls Christine, really putting on a show every time he communicates with her, which makes Miles more and more uncomfortable. Well, once we get to the point where Christine is just leaving like a million voicemails, you're just like, oh, man. Yeah. The pre-date pep talk between... Jack and Miles yes. as they're walking from the car to the restaurant is one of the more hilarious moments. Right. Jack's like, I want you to be like how you were before the tailspin. <laughs> Everybody liked that, Miles. I love that there's just a time period that's delineated pre-tailspin, post-tailspin. <laughs> yeah, that's... like, I don't want you going over to the dark side tonight. But obviously, like, there had to be... Do you think the tailspin happened, like, way pre-divorce even? Potentially. I mean, it seems like he's been dealing with some issues for a long time. Or at least that's the frustration at at trying to get his novel published was laying the groundwork that would spiral into the divorce and then the post-divorce nightmare. He's like, are you taking your Xanax or whatever? And he's like, and Lexapro. I don't really think you should be drinking this heavily when you're taking I also thought that too. I was like, he drinks a lot for... Yeah, being on medication like that. I mean, it's just getting like a, just be like blacking a out nice all the proper time. buzz yeah, going. Right. <laughs> just try to be your normal humorous self, okay? The guy you were before the tailspin. Do you remember that guy? People love that guy. And don't forget, your novel is coming out in the fall. Oh, really? How exciting. What's it called? Come here, Mons.
Do not sabotage me. If you want to be a oh. fucking lightweight, then that's your call. But do not sabotage me. Oh, aye, aye, Captain, you got it. And if they want to drink Merlot, we're drinking Merlot. Oh, no, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot. Okay, okay, <laughs> relax, Miles. Jesus, no Merlot. Did you bring your Xanax? Do not drink too much. Can you hear me? I don't want you passing out or going to the dark side. No going to the dark side. Okay. One of the film's more iconic moments is Jack saying, and if they order Merlot, we'll drink Merlot. And Miles flipping out, I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. <laughs> so one of the more interesting aspects of this film is the impact that it had on the wine industry. So I was going to read a little thing here from Wikipedia. Because yeah. we haven't really talked about Miles's obsession and love affair with Pinot Noir. Right. The film drew attention and increased tourism to the Santa Inez Valley wine-growing region of California's central coast. Throughout the film, Miles speaks fondly of the red wine varietal Pinot Noir while denigrating Merlot. Following the film's U.S. release in October of 2004, Merlot sales dropped 2%, while Pinot Noir sales increased 16% in the western United States. A similar trend occurred in British wine outlets. A 2009 study by Sonoma State University found that Sideways slowed the growth in Merlot sales volume and caused its price to fall, but the film's main effect on the wine industry was a rise in the sales volume and price of Pinot Noir and an overall wine consumption. Now get this. A 2014 study by Vineyard Financial Associates estimated that sideways cost Merlot farmers over $400 million wow. in lost revenue in the decade after its release. However, this study is, by its own admission, speculative. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Now, I was trying to figure out the difference between the book and the movie here. Later on in the film, we'll learn about Miles's prized bottle of wine. It's like a 62... 62- something chevrolet yeah, or right, i don't even yeah. <laughs> i don't know what it would be called but in the book it's something different and the irony is that in the book miles's cherished bottle is actually chateau petrus who knows if i'm pronouncing that right which has always been a predominantly merlot blend and after 2010 entirely merlot in the book victoria his ex-wife loved merlot which is what leads to Miles avoiding it, which is not mentioned in the movie, so it just makes him seem like he hates it. That's the thing. It's not the way it's played in the movie. In the movie, we just hear Miles being like this aficionado of wine. So you just think that Merlot, by hearing him being so off-put by it, is that it just must be like not up to snuff. It's just a horrible wine. Yeah, and in typical Giamatti delivery, just the disgust as if it's so low class right, right. and lesser than yeah. certainly would influence people who were wine novices that were maybe just getting interested in it. Yeah. And they would think, Oh, this is shit then. Right. That's what the common people drink. I you know, I wanna be like Miles for some reason. <laughs> people are emulating him. Yeah, I was like, I, I I wish I could be a lot less like Miles than I am. So the date goes pretty well. It's Stephanie, Maya, Miles, and Jack. People talking, people ordering wine. Seems like it's going fine. But the drunker that he gets, the closer to the dark side Miles goes to and eventually leads to him drunk dialing Victoria. I feel like this scene is done really well. I I don't know. Maybe it just strikes a chord with me. You know, just that descent into bad decisions. (laughs) Yeah. But, oh, man, boy, were there some times in my life, especially... Jack calls it out later of the, did you drink and dial? Yeah. And it's like, boof, boy, have I had some missteps in my life when it came to that. 
again, this was all when I was 19, 20, 21. I don't think I should have been allowed to have a cell phone and drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty relatable now, to most people. Again, I don't think I ever did anything crazy, but I just would remember the next day just feeling like, man, I wish I wouldn't have called her last night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So I got to the point where eventually, like, when I would go out drinking, I would just shut my cell phone off. Wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is coming out. That's right. <laughs> it well, they improvised bad. a lot of it, the build up to it, and then there's like that blur of conversation and then the different wine labels goes over to the phone he calls victoria who immediately recognizes that he's drunk the conversation well, sure really doesn't like, go well why would he be calling me anyway at this time of night sure and then that walk back to the table after he makes that call is so funny well and him, plus their conversation spins out of control quickly because it starts off him trying to be nice basically and be like yeah i was thinking about you you know i'll see you at the wedding or whatever and then it kind of devolves into him like flipping out on her well as it should uh, yeah once he gets back to the table, I guess the women aren't really picking up on it because it seems like everything's still okay. They they want to invite Jack and Miles over to Stephanie's house to continue the night. Steph and Jack really hit it off at an extremely rapid pace. They're almost breaking off instantly to go oh, have yes. sex. Right. Miles and Maya are at a much slower pace. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie's just like, Maya's in the back, and then starts making out with Jack immediately. Why are you so into Pino? <laughs> I mean, it's like a thing with you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's a hard grape to grow, as you know, right? It's, uh, it's thin skin, temperamental, ripens early. It's, you know, it's not a survivor like Cabernet, which can just grow anywhere and... Uh, thrive even when it's neglected. Nah, Pinot needs constant care and attention. You know, and in fact, it can only grow in these really specific little tucked away corners of the world. And, and only the most patient and nurturing of growers can do it, really. Only somebody who really takes the time to understand Pino's potential can then coax it into its fullest expression. And then, I mean, oh, its flavors, they're just the most haunting and brilliant and thrilling and subtle and ancient on the planet. Now, I mean, you know, Cabernets can be powerful and exalting, too, but they seem prosaic to me for some reason, you know, by comparison. I don't know. What about you? What about me? I don't know. Why are you in a wine? Oh, I think I... I originally got into wine through my ex-husband. Uh-huh. You know, he had this big sort of show-off cellar, you know? Right. But then I discovered that I had a really sharp palate. Mm-hmm. And the more I drank, the more I liked what it made me think about. Like what? Like what a fraud he was. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, I like to think about the life of wine. They're left alone. They're talking about wine. They have a lot in common in that sense. Their connection is 
at like I said, at a much slower pace, but it seems more genuine. Yeah, is it's this, not just a physical thing. Is like this where um, Jack and Stephanie? She reveals that she's going to school for sure. Yeah, they talk about that. So they I, talk about the different wines. I think that this is a noticeable change in Miles' thoughts of Maya, the fact yeah. that she's doing this because he definitely sort of makes a comment earlier in the movie about her just being like a waitress or whatever. Yeah. And sort of seeing that in a negative light. So I, I feel like... <laughs> like he's some prize. That's what I mean. I know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, both of the characters are pretty despicable in their own way. Jack's bad behavior is much more flashy Apparent. and noticeable. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Miles certainly has plenty of negative character traits. And yeah, I do think that he was looking down on people because there's that part right at the beginning when Jack is like, you should work at a wine store. Oh, right. And right in front of the guy who just poured their wine, yeah. Miles is like, yeah, that'd be a good idea. Right. Like, all sarcastic. <laughs> I mean, it's really funny, but you're just like, what a dick. Yeah, which it feels <laughs> like he could probably make as much money as he does as, like, a teacher. Yeah, well, I just think that it's not about the money. Yeah, he just I know. thinks that what he's doing, I guess, is has more respect. I don't know. Right. Miles describes his novel, which in reality is not going to be published. I mean, he's still up in the air at this point, but Jack has been telling everyone, including Maya and Stephanie, that the novel is going to be published, and that's why they're there in the first place, is to celebrate it finally getting published. So Miles tells Maya about it. I mean, it's just a hilarious description of a book that sounds so unreadable and terrible, <laughs> I know. especially when you find out how long it is. Right. This is such uh, flashbacks for me to... The Michael Douglas. Oh, and Wonder Boys. Wonder Boys, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just the ridiculous, <laughs> like, sprawling novel that's way too long. Well, at least in that context, in Wonder Boys, he was a guy that had published a book. That's and that true. was popular. Yeah. And th that was, like, his follow-up. Whereas this is an unpublished guy trying to get his first book published, right. and it's this. <laughs> it's like, there's a dual narrative, and it switches to the point of view of the father in the coma. <laughs> <laughs> then it becomes this mystery that never gets resolved. <laughs> Against all odds, though, Maya says she wants to read it. Right. When they're talking about Pinot Noir and why Miles prefers that, Maya launches into this speech about the grapes and the history of the oh, wine yeah. and the people. I was a little like entranced by this. It's almost like too much for Miles because it's a realization that A, how bad he stinks <laughs> because he wants to be this writer and he could he somehow wasn't able to articulate his feelings as clearly as this right in such a beautiful way and he goes into the bathroom and he's like fucking rattled oh yeah he's just like oh god i'm such a loser <laughs> and he's like splashing himself in the face right i like to think about what was going on the year the grapes were growing how the sun was shining if it rained I like to think about all the people who tended and picked the grapes. And if it's an old wine, how many of them must be dead by now? I like how wine continues to evolve. Like if I opened a bottle of wine today, it would taste different than if I'd opened it on any other day. Because a bottle of wine is actually alive. And it's constantly evolving and gaining complexity that is until it peaks like you're 61 
And then it begins its steady, inevitable decline. You know, I, I, uh, I like other wines besides Pinot, too. Mm. You know, I mean, lately I've been really into Rieslings. You like Rieslings? Rieslings? Mm. There's a bathroom in the back. Yeah, it's it? through the kitchen. Okay. I'll be right back. I do think Maya is almost a little too perfect too. I mean, she's sure it gets to a darker side with her a little bit later when some truths come out, but she's by all accounts, seemingly a pretty perfect woman here. Yeah. I don't even know what you mean about the truths about what's going on with Jack. Right. Is it something bad about her? though? No, not really, but I'm just saying it's like, it definitely changes the dynamic. Oh, you mean how things are going, how she's acting with miles. Oh, well, yeah. After he comes out of the bathroom, there's that embarrassing moment in the kitchen where he finally is trying to like make a move, and it's really, it's he's not like flat out rejected, but it's kind of embarrassing. It is because she's not fully going with it. Well, it kind of has that vibe like there was a moment and he let it pass. We're kind of in the weirdness afterwards, and now he's trying to go for it. This is out of character for him because typically he would not make this move. He's not this guy. It's definitely awkward, but it's not anything that ruins it. It's just yes, a temporary embarrassment a little bit, but right. she plays it off pretty cool. Maya and Miles then leave Stephanie's house in separate cars, which just means Jack is staying over at Stephanie's house. It's like, holy shit, this is spiraling already. Oh, I know. On their way out, Maya stops and goes over to talk to Miles and make sure he knows how to get home and says she had a nice time. That's when Miles hands her the novel, the manuscript to read, and it's <laughs> to a the huge box of the audience. <laughs> and then he's like, "Hold boxes. on!" And then he goes back and gets another one. In my head, remembering that scene, I always think it's even more than two. But oh yeah, still, I mean, it's huge. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning in the hotel, Miles is awakened by Christine calling Jack's cell phone, which he left there. Then she's calling the room phone. Miles, who technically i guess is playing along with a lie and kind of not doing right by maya and stephanie but essentially is doing nothing wrong he has to live with what jack is doing and he's like trying to deal with it i mean every time the phone rings he's having like a a meltdown about it jack returns but instantly is like there's been a change of plans i'm gonna hang out with (laughs) stephanie because she has the day off then maybe we'll meet back up with you later. Yeah, Jack is uh, on a whole other level now. He's certainly feeling some elation around what's going on with Stephanie. Yeah, they have a very physical connection that he's enjoying. 
But in addition to just cheating on his fiance and to being the shitbag that's lying to Stephanie, it's also this shitty thing he's doing to Miles because oh, right. Miles then has to spend the next day by himself and he's like, why the fuck am I even here? Oh, yeah. Why did I come up here? But I love Jack like immediately like one day and being like, Stephanie's just really cool, man. We're going to go on this really cool hike. Yeah. Everything <laughs> is great. How many cool hikes are out there? Everything is cool. Loves everything. And this, of course, will continue to escalate as the days go by. Yep. Miles goes out and does all this stuff by himself, and then he gets back to the room, and he walks in on Stephanie and Jack fucking right. on the bed. Stephanie not really reacting to it. Just Jack is like, shut the door. Get out of here. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. You would have thought Stephanie would have been, like, like <laughs> she more mortified She was getting by ready it. for right. yeah, some she, Chinese finger cuffs. She was, cuffs. Like waving him on in. <laughs> This leads to a follow-up conversation afterward down at the bar, which I guess is at the hotel. It's kind of hard to tell. Right. Jack is now considering postponing the wedding. That's his first line out. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, what if we postpone the wedding? I know it would be a clusterfuck. And he's like testing that out on Miles. <laughs> right. Not getting the reaction he wants. So then he's like, well, what about this? What about me and you move up here and buy a vineyard and start a new life? <laughs> I, know, I love this. <laughs> yeah. I, this- Miles is just like, What? I mean, something about this conversation was striking a chord, too. It's certainly been a long time, but you can certainly remember moments of your life when you were all of a sudden, like, just willing to make some crazy Every second of my life. Yeah. I would, (laughs) if I could find a way to just give this all up and start something else, it would be great. (laughs) Like, I think there's times in my life that if somebody pitched this to me, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) It's hard to relate to Jack. You don't really see the movie through Jack's eyes. Everything he does seems like a terrible thing to do. Bad decision-making, plus just being a selfish asshole. But I guess if you're going to attempt to see this from his perspective, he has a lot of fear about his future that he can't really express in a normal way. So he's taking all of these moments as like potential exit ramps on the highway of his life that he's on. Now, I'm not saying that to excuse anything he's doing or to even say that that thought process is even remotely acceptable. I mean, it's not. If you don't want to get married to someone, then just don't do it. I don't know what all this other stuff is. I mean, you can't just well, it just seems do whatever like you want and then expect everything to work out because... It's just an overall like situation with Jack. Like It doesn't matter who he was going to get married to. Right. You know what I mean? It's just oh, like, yeah. He's just going to be a dirtball and pull moves like this regardless for sure things get taken up another notch though when jack and subsequently by default miles are spending time with stephanie's mother and her daughter this was which we didn't even know stephanie had a kid and then all of a sudden this is happening this is a scene that i sometimes forget about at the bowling alley right yeah it's so fucking brutal it is and of course jack being this disingenuous person which we'll talk about even more in depth later, but just his ability to adapt to these situations. And of course he loves Stephanie's daughter and (laughs) instantly his uncle Jack, she's playing video games on his lap. I mean, it's just like, how did we get here already? (laughs) Yeah. You know, in Jack's mind that this is just like a fleeting thing that's going to go away. I know he's like living on some cloud nine, but he's had to have situations like this before. You know what I mean? Sure. These like flash in the pan. I think part of it is he just has no conscience, so right. he doesn't process these moments the same way the that, that like a normal like person would. Impacting this child's life. Yeah, that doesn't even cross his mind. He only seems to do anything for himself. So he wants to nut 
in Stephanie. <laughs> right. And so whatever it takes to continue that happening because he's into that at the moment. Now, if yeah. they would have had sex the first time and it wouldn't have been great or something, I mean, he probably would have moved on to something else immediately. Yeah. But he's still interested in it, so he's jumping through whatever hoops are in the way to get there. And so if he has to play nice with her daughter, if he has to meet her mom, I mean, God. <laughs> it's such a game. And of course, eventually we'll find out that he's been saying all kinds of crazy shit right. to Stephanie about how he loves her, about how he's going to move up there. Oh, I know. And you're just like, what the fuck? It is weird, though. It's just one of those movies, and I think like a lot of movies are like this, especially older and books and TV shows and whatever. It just portrays women as just being like so pathetic. I know. Cause it's because like, why would she want him to say things right, like that? Right, that's the thing. It's like making this assumption that she would be like into that. Wouldn't you be like completely off put by that? That's not I, how things were, right? In movies, it, women wanted to hear that a man that had sex with them was in love with them, even if it was like immediately, and even if that made no sense. Even in a movie in two thousand four, that seems so nuts. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's just like I didn't grow up feeling that way. No, no, I'm not saying that's how ever it ever was in reality, right. but that's how it always is in movies. I know, but I've always been like influenced by movies, so it plays into the antiquated idea about a woman's sexuality or losing their virginity or things like that. Oh yeah. That it's such a big deal for a woman to have sex with somebody that in order to remain quote unquote virtuous or likable, there has to be this motivating factor, which would be love. It can't just be for the fun of having sex. Sure. Because she's a woman. Yeah. From the man's perspective, it doesn't matter. I mean, right. I know that's the thing though. You would just feel like, if he's dropping L-bombs out there like two days into meeting someone. But this is also to play into the plot, too. Sure. To make him much more of a scumbag. Absolutely. And the deception seem even works. worse. Yeah. Because it can't just be a situation where he's on the level with Stephanie. Because right. then it's not as interesting. It's got to be he's playing this whole con game that's going to blow up. And <laughs> yeah. yes, physically he, he'll end up hurt a little bit. But of course, it always seems to impact Miles even worse because he's much more... <laughs> Yeah. sensitive i guess and well and his name's usually being emotion. thrown around and whatever's going on with these schemes so after this miles bids farewell to jack who's now spending time with stephanie and stephanie's family miles is once again on his own he goes to that drugstore or convenience store and he buys a copy of barely legal in a pretty <laughs> humiliating scene yeah how sad is this where he's like no no, no the, the new, new one, one. <laughs> <laughs> he's already seen the last copy it's such a outdated thing that I guess still technically happens, but I would say so much less now. And eventually... It was just a, a different world when you couldn't watch porn on your phone. Yeah. Within the next decade, I would imagine most of these magazines are going to be completely gone. One would think, yeah. I think some places still have them and some places still have them behind the counter where you'd have to ask for them. But yeah, I think the days of having to ask some fucking acne-scarred 19-year-old right. douchebag behind the counter at 7-Eleven for barely legal, that thankfully, would be behind everyone. Yep. Nothing more embarrassing. Oh, I agree. Just, I, I couldn't agree. even imagine yeah. doing it. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I can't imagine, even without the benefits of what we have these days and how you can easily access content like this on your phone, I, I just can't imagine there ever would have been a scenario in my life where I would have walked into a store and purchased a magazine like this i think i definitely bought some playboys in my life but never having to ask for them well yeah and plus playboy is nowhere near as embarrassing i saying the words barely legal to the cashier how humiliating is that 
yeah. that's not even the worst that I've seen at these stores. I mean, they definitely have like more humiliating titles than that. I mean, I could have envisioned scenarios like going into a gas station or whatever and like picking up Playboys when I'm like with my friends or something like that. Right. But like for the intent of what he's doing it for, I mean, gosh, just like being by yourself and like heading back to the hotel. Whew, well, I guess if you scene. wanted to see this kind of material pre the internet being so prevalent, then this was your only choice and you just had to develop that armor of being able to do it yeah i guess probably the first time you did it was the worst and then gradually it just became used to it yeah (laughs) you're that much of a degenerate you're used to asking for barely legal oh boy what a life he goes to drink at the hitching post alone he asks about maya maya's not there normal situation now yeah because based on what stephanie and Jack have said to him, if this was some sort of a normal situation where A, Jack wasn't pulling this big con, and B, Miles wasn't such a depressed loser, right? you would think we had a pretty good night together. He's got yeah. two positive reinforcements from the other two people. Oh, yeah, because they keep throwing it out there like, hey, Maya is into you. She was saying nice things about you after the other night. So why wouldn't he just call her? He can't really bring himself to do it. So he just tries to show up at her workplace. Right. Which really is kind of a lame move anyway. Stealing my moves. Yeah. <laughs> the next day though, things do take a turn for the better for Miles and Maya. Now they're put into a situation in a foursome where they're spending more time together again. They go to this winery, have some fun there, they break off from the tour group and yep. explore it themselves. Then they go back to Stephanie's house. I was starting to think to myself though, I'm like, how many days off do these two have? Who? Maya and Stephanie. Because this is now the second day off that Stephanie's had in a matter of a couple days. Yeah. I I know they work different schedules. It's a legitimate thought, but but, I mean, it's a movie. Okay. I'm on board. (laughs) We got to just make these scenes happen. Right. At some point, it seems like she would have been at work. Maybe she worked the day shift or something the next day because obviously that bartender told her that he was in there asking. So she, she was in there at some point in between. Yeah, that does seem weird. They go back to Stephanie's. Eventually, though, Miles and Maya peel off and they go to. Where do they go? Do they go to Maya's apartment? I guess. Well, don't they. I don't, well, when do they go on that little picnic first? Like, That's the next the day. The next day. Okay. That's when he lets So, yeah, the so whole they have to go slip. to Maya's apartment. Yeah. So, finally, Miles is kind of playing in the same arena as Jack. Yeah. I mean, Jack stays behind at Stephanie's. He's already endeared himself to her daughter who's now there he leaves with maya they have sex at her apartment he spends the night with her and then the next morning they go out on this picnic things seem to be going great maya is like well why don't you guys stay through the weekend right oh yeah he's like well we can't we have to get back to the rehearsal dinner yeah and she's like rehearsal dinner who's getting married (laughs) yeah and he decides to admit to the truth. Which we don't see, which is, is it's just like a cut to her being <laughs> like, what out. the fuck? Yeah, understandably, once it's revealed that Jack is going to be married that Saturday, Maya is freaking out. And as Miles would have... Do you know what he's been saying to her this week? As Miles would have predicted, it blows up in his face, too, because everything that was going so great with Maya is now ruined. Yeah. It is always interesting during the courting period... There's always that grace period that you have before the first big blowout, and it always sucks when it's like two days in. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I think if you're having like a really bad fight that early on, then I mean... It's hard it's, to it's recover from this, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you need like a real 
long streak at the beginning to keep it going yeah you need that solid ground or else you're already putting cracks in it and it's never going to be solid from that point on (laughs) but when they're in the car and he's driving her back to her apartment he talks about his relationship with jack and he says i'm not jack i was just his freshman roommate right at san diego state well she's like your friend and it's almost like he's offended by that statement he needs to set the record straight Yeah, well, it's not even that he doesn't think of Jack as a friend. It's just, what kind of a friend is he really? And maybe this is not even anything that Miles had thought about or or put together or said out loud. But the truth of it is, it was just fate that they became roommates and subsequently became friends. And it is like this kind of bigger moral question of like, can you be friends with someone but also not really support the things that they do? A lot of people were asking themselves that question in the Me Too era. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And where is that line, I guess? Yeah. It's hard because on the one hand, you do seem guilty by association, and that's just an almost impossible thing to shake off. I mean, it's one thing like... But ev- you ev- can't really blame yeah. another person for the actions of another. Everyone certainly makes mistakes and has made mistakes. I guess it's hard when Jack, who is just so openly doing horrible things consistently. I mean, if you... Yeah, I mean, the truth in this situation is that Miles is culpable. (laughs) Miles culpable? (laughs) Yeah. He did know some of the shit that Jack was saying. And was going along with it was at dinner with the four of them, obviously. Yeah. He can't really play dumb about this. After this, it becomes the situation where he's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. He's showing up. Jack's at the hotel. Anytime the phone rings, he's like, don't answer it. He's just afraid that it's only a matter of time before Stephanie confronts Jack and everything blows up. Right. They decide to go out for a drive. They go to this shitty winery that they had initially skipped because Miles was too much of a snob to go there. It was called Frass Canyon. (laughs) Miles breaks down and decides to call his agent oh, on boy. Jack's cell phone. Right. He finds out that his manuscript was rejected once again. It was a really tough call. Yeah. And isn't kind of his agent like, I think we're done, too? Well, she's like, yeah, I don't really know what else we can do yeah. at this point. Seems like they're at the end of the line with this particular novel. So he goes back in. He's trying to get the server at the place to keep filling his glass oh, up. Oh, boy. So this is kind of like the big incident that we've been building towards there's been some incidents along the way but this this is a tough one sure yeah luckily maya doesn't witness this (laughs) so what's happening there's still no word huh well actually there is word um i spoke to keith gersman this morning right and and they're passing conundrums passing he said they really liked it they really wanted to do it, but, but they just couldn't figure out how to market it. You said it was a really tough call. Oh, right. I'm sorry, Miles. So, look, I don't know where that leaves us. I mean, I'm not sure how much more mileage I can get out of continuing to submit it. I think it's one of those unfortunate cases in the business right now. A, a, a fabulous book with no home. The whole industry's gotten gutless. It's not about the quality of the books anymore. It's only about the marketing. Excuse me, could I get the uh, pour down here? Sure. 
There's a uh, special on the Syrah by the case. Hit me again. Excuse me. Could you just pour me a full glass? I'll pay for it, okay? Sir, this is a winery, not a bar. Oh. Just give me a full goddamn pour. Excuse me. Why don't you buy a bottle and go outside? What are you doing? I told you I need a drink, so I'm gonna help myself, okay, pal? What do you think? Go the Put fucking the glass, glass fucker! How's that? Oh, oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. It's okay. Get him out of here. Thanks a lot. It's okay. His, uh, his mother just died. Thankfully, it's at a place that he's already deemed shitty and he would never want to go back to anyway. Right. But the server cuts him off and won't fill it up. He tries filling it up himself. The guy tries to grab the glass out of his hand. The wine goes everywhere. It's very oh boy. Yeah. like that scene from Young Adults. Right. And so in response to this, Miles makes an even bigger scene by grabbing the spit bucket with oh. everyone's leftover wine yeah. and just dumps it on his head, basically, to, with his mouth open. <laughs> so disgusting. Yes. Making a huge scene. Right. Jack has to drag him out of there saying that his mom died or whatever. I do like that recovery by Jack, though. Yeah. That's something, you know? Well, that's Jack's biggest strength is just lying. Yeah, and he can lie on the fly. Making up stories. When they get back to the motel, Stephanie's waiting for them. Jack, oh of course, has no idea where this is headed. <laughs> hey, baby. Look what I got for our favorite girl. It's like a giant stuffed animal. It's yeah. so humiliating. Oh, boy. Our favorite girl. <laughs> Oof. Hey, baby. <laughs> Look what I got for our favorite girl. Motherfucker! Oh, Jesus Christ! Fucking oh, oh, bastard You're getting married on Saturday! What's with all that shit you, you said to me? Stephanie, stop! I can explain! You said you love me! I do! Oh. I hope you die! Stop it, Stephanie! Go! <laughs> And so she beats the shit out of him with a motorcycle helmet. Yeah, completely fucks up his face. The amount of times that she hits him, you would think he'd be way more fucked up True. than what ends or up dead. happening. Yeah. <laughs> or dead. <laughs> it's like fucking Ryan Gosling and that guy in the elevator in Drive. Oh, it's like, She's just like smashing his skull in with that helmet. Once upon a time in Hollywood where Brad Pitt just keeps smashing that girl's <laughs> face. <laughs> she breaks Jack's nose. I mean, it's just a straight up vicious attack. So now everything is destroyed. On their way to the hospital, he's bleeding everywhere, holding his nose, and he's confronting Miles about telling Maya. How the Maya. fuck did she know about this? Miles denies telling Maya. No, it seems like Miles has already put some thought into this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to... When things come crashing down here... It must have been the bartender at the Hitching Post right. or whatever. Well, I don't know, though, because he may never have had the option. Because he didn't know what Stephanie was going to say specifically. True. Thankfully for him, she just launched right into a violent attack. Right. She didn't really say, oh, Maya told me this yeah, yeah. or whatever. 
And Miles just keeps denying it, and the rest of the movie goes by, and he never admits to telling. Even though Jack does punch some holes in the logic at a certain point. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's all you got to do is keep denying. Yeah. <laughs> never admit it. So now you think, well, this has to be the end of this now. They've blown everything up. Jack got his time to fuck a different woman before he's getting married, but they are going to have to head back soon. <laughs> Maya and Stephanie seem like they're out of the picture, so where else could this go? Right. This whole little like addendum to the story, this whole ending is so strange. Yeah. And the first time I saw this movie, I just remember being just shocked by wh- this whole thing. I was right. like, what? I know. Well, it is a shocking sequence, especially once they get to the wallet scene. Yeah, it just seems like they needed to take it to that extra level of depravity to right. show you just how pathetic Jack really is. Yeah, they really need to stack it up with Jack. Because you could get lost as the audience, I guess, in the potential idea of Stephanie being super cute and fun. Yeah. And so you think, okay, it's just a nor it's not good and it's not excusing it, but it's almost like, oh well this is just a normal affair, like a normal right. cheating situation. But that's not what they were going for at any point. This is not some normal, hey, I met somebody and made a mistake. This is the depths of depravity oh yeah and just this almost like a sex addiction or something going on with jack beyond just like the sex part of it jack's ability to completely move on from literally just having like his face bashed in because of yeah he's got a giant thing on his nose yeah that was the ramifications of his actions over the past four days and he's already yeah ready to move on on to the the next next thing yep yeah they haven't had to go back yet to christine so the same guy who was like I'm so in love with this chick. Yeah. I'm ready to like uproot my life and move here. And now it's just like the next waitress, basically. Yeah. So they go to dinner, Miles and Jack, at some shitty steakhouse. Oh, yeah. It seems almost like a sizzler or something. I don't yeah. know. I mean, not a, not not as low as a sizzler, but it's like it almost feels like a chain. It's like trashy. A little bit. It's definitely bit. lower class than the places that they had been going right. earlier in the movie. They're persona non gratas at everywhere else in oh, town yeah, yeah. now at this right. point. <laughs> Between the scene at Frass Canyon and then the shit they pulled with Maya, who, as I said, was probably a celebrity in town. Do you think Miles' reputation around town has taken a hit at this point? Oh, both of them, yeah. yeah. They just can't go yeah, anywhere. But Jack doesn't care. I mean, Miles, like, I think had a lot of future trips planned for up here. Yeah. Well, yeah, he does say, I think, at one point, like, I don't know if I can go back to the hitching post anymore. Right. <laughs> Which, of course, Jack doesn't care. Yeah. So their waitress at this restaurant is named Cammy. At one point, when she walks away from the table, Jack is just immediately flipping out. She, he's like, I bet that chick's two tons of fun. <laughs> because she's like a heavier girl. Right. Just can't turn it off even for a second. <laughs> yeah. Miles is almost in awe of this behavior. Just can't even at believe this point, it. Yeah, because it's, like, it's just Jesus like fascinating. Christ. She recognizes Jack from the soap opera he was on, and then it cuts to basically the end of the meal and jack telling (laughs) miles that he's gonna stay and wait for her to get off her shift so listen man cammy gets done in like an hour i think i'm just gonna hang around the bar here make sure she gets home safe (laughs) the cut here is so perfect because then it cuts to pitch black in the hotel room knock at the door right miles wakes up opens the door jack is standing there completely nude (laughs) turns out He's run all the way back to the hotel room nude. From her house. Which was like five miles away. Yeah. Cammy's husband came home from the night shift an hour earlier than she said that he would. Oh, right. 
And as which I do love, <laughs> Miles Jack, was just like cutting a little close there, weren't you? Yeah, as Jack puts it, to find him with his cock and his wife's ass. Yeah, I was like, holy shit! Wow, yeah. <laughs> What a fucking scene, man. Yeah, Jack really uh, goes for it early. <laughs> I mean, that's like the icing on the cake of this whole thing. It's just like, wow. Going right for it, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> Holy shit. Fuck. Jesus. God. God. Fucking freezing out there. God, yeah. Vicodin. Where's the Vicodin? Uh. Fucking chick's married, man. What? Her husband works a night shift or something, and he comes home and catches me on the floor with my cock in his wife's ass. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jack. And you walked all the way from Solfang? I ran. Twisted my ankle, too. That's five clicks, Jax, huh? Fucking ain't right, it's five clicks. At one point, I had to cut through an ostrich farm. <laughs> Those fuckers are mean. Woo! Oh! We gotta go back. <laughs> what? We gotta go back. I left my wallet, credit cards, cash, my fucking ID, everything. We gotta go back. Big deal. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll call now and we'll cancel your cards. <clears throat> I know, Miles. You don't understand. The wedding rings. The wedding rings are in my wallet. Okay, fine. They're in your wallet. And, and you left your wallet in somewhere, some bar, okay? Christine no, will understand. She had to order them special. It took her forever to find them. They've got this design of dolphins and our names engraved in Sanskrit. We gotta go back, man. Yeah. Christine will fucking crucify right. no me, way. Miles. No, no way, no way. Please. Please. Forget it. Your wallet was stolen in some bar. It happens every no, day. We gotta go back and get my wallet, Miles. I'm telling you, those rings are irreplaceable. Look, I, I, I know I fucked up, okay? I know I fucked up. But you gotta help me. Yeah. You gotta help me, Miles. Please. Please. I, I can't lose Christine, Miles. I just, I can't. I can't lose Christine. Mm -hmm. I, I know I fucked up. I know I did a bad thing, all right? And I know I'm a bad person. I know I am. But you gotta help me. You have to help me, Miles. Okay? Tell me you'll help me. If I lose Christine, I, I, I am nothing. So now we get to this point where it's just like, we have to go back. We gotta go back. I left my wallet there. But I love Miles being like, that's absurd. We're not doing that. We'll shut off your cards or whatever. And Jack reveals that like, okay, well, I have these irreplaceable wedding rings that's in there that we have to get. Yeah. And what I'm getting to is I just love Miles being like, oh, what? We're just going to walk up to the door and be like, yeah, sorry. My friend left his wallet here. You know, the one bawling your wife. <laughs> I just love that expression. Yeah. Well, what do you make about this whole thing? I certainly believe that everything Jack does here is disingenuous and Absolutely. he's just acting. I agree 100% on that. To get Miles to do, Miles what, he to do what he wants. And it, it isn't until they go back to the house in the early light of dawn, they find Cammy's house, they pull over, and it isn't until then when 
Jack is Jack like, manipulates Miles you to, have to actually go. go in right and get the wallet because Jack says he hurt his ankle running back. And that he, you fully understand yes what's been going on in their friendship ever since they met each other. The Even level up, of manipulation. Right. Even up to the point where he's like, fine, I'll do it. I have to do everything. It's yeah. Like, for a situation that he completely created himself. Right. <laughs> Miles, no, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just it goes to show you what it's been like the whole time. Right. And it's something that you could probably suspect throughout the movie, but now it's it's clear that that's the case. That's what the relationship's like. So Miles sneaks back into the house through the back door. He's crawling around trying to find the wallet because Jack just assumed it was in his pants, but it turns out that they took it out of the pants. He's crawling around to the back bedroom. He comes into the room to see Cammie and her husband having sex, and their dirty talk is very evident that... A cuckolding It was all part of some game that they were playing where he was going to come home to catch her fucking somebody else, which turned them both on. So, like, if she hadn't met Jack, is this just some random dude from the bar? Like, they they do this anyway possibly okay it could just be when it happens it happens all right that kind of a thing who knows not sure if there needs to be (laughs) anything set up in advance or or what but miles spots the wallet on a dresser it's so great that he just stands up and just runs into the room and gets it it's so funny while they're just both completely nude on the bed having sex and then her husband chases him out into the streets just completely nude oh yeah now, he got flaccid pretty quick. A shocking scene. He did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that they can show. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But... Also running. Yeah, when this moment happens plays a part. in the theater the first time you see it, it's just... Holy hell. Yeah, you're like, oh my god. Yeah. No idea that something like this was Giant coming. guy. <laughs> just yelling after them in the street. And so they finally can leave. They're headed back. Everything's going to be fine, right? Well, one last thing where... Jack's like let me drive he's insisting that he drives just can't even reveal what he's gonna do and And then just wrecks the car into a tree I mean there's been so much insanity in this movie and you kind of think that like it has to be over with right and there's just like one more yeah because earlier he asked Miles what his injury looked like and Miles said that it looks like you've been in a car accident so Jack comes up with the idea that they need to wreck Miles' car for appearances. Right. Of course, he doesn't tell Miles this and then just does it. Yeah. And then do they? it doesn't look good together? enough. Yeah, so right. he's like, well, we're going to have to do it again. They get a cinder block <laughs> to try I to like- ram it into the tree. It just completely misses the tree. <laughs> I love their just non-reaction, too. They just I watch know. it miss the tree and then just go off into that field and then like off of a I, cliff, kind I, of. I like that Miles is like a willing participant at this point. Yeah. How the fuck did it goes? It's not over like a huge cliff. It just like goes into a ditch. How would they get this car? Yeah. Back? How did they yeah. get it out? I don't know. Because then how all of a sudden they're like just arrested for this. Well, yeah. All of a sudden they're just showing back up at Christine's family's house with this destroyed car. Right. So you don't know how they managed to get the car back on the road, but whatever. It's all like banded together. And so this is the moment that's emblematic of their whole relationship of everything that's happened this whole week of the consequences of jack's decision making and all of this stuff basically jack ends up being welcomed back into the open arms of his future wife and her yeah, family like, oh my gosh what happened to you poor jack while miles just drives away in his battered car right. back to his shitty yeah. life oh boy just so unfair yes but they make it to the wedding and 
Jack ends up getting married to Christine. And this is where we finally see Vicky after the wedding. Oh, yeah. The ex-wife. It, it, it felt almost reminiscent to me, this recent viewing of Silver Linings Playbook, where you see yeah, Bradley true. Cooper's ex-wife at the end, and it's just been this thing that's like built up the whole time, right. where you almost started to believe that you would never get that payoff in the movie. True. Because you don't necessarily need it, so you could definitely see them not doing it. Yet, they do it in both movies. Now, this situation's a little bit different. It seems in Silver Linings Playbook, he almost could like win her back at the end of the movie. But this True. is a situation where there's no hope of that. Oh, and he yeah. just finds out that... They hit him with one more sucker Vicky's punch. pregnant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he just bails on the reception, which is a pretty baller move. I do like that, yeah. Now, I was a best man last fall. It would have been funny if I bailed on the reception considering the reception was at the same place as the wedding i think we were all thinking that was a possibility (laughs) people were having conversations i was a fucking pariah everyone was waiting for me to get drunk and make a scene (laughs) so instead of going to the reception miles pulls out his prized bottle of wine the one that he had mentioned to maya and had said that he was saving for some special occasion yep and i think it's particularly poignant when he was first telling Maya about this bottle and he was like, I was saving it for a special occasion. And she's like, well, aren't they peaking right now? You need to drink it. It might even be too late to get the peak. And just the implication there of like, well, the special moments never happened. There was never a special occasion. And he ends up now drinking the bottle of wine from a styrofoam cup at a fast food restaurant. Yeah, Yeah, some just generic burger place or something. Just a real crazy move to be sitting by yourself pouring wine into a styrofoam exactly yeah (laughs) it's almost like its own unique thing too because you could you could argue that would make more sense to have him like out in his car doing it or something but to actually have him like just sitting in the restaurant pouring it in (laughs) i am happy that he handled the situation with victoria okay had a good interaction with the new guy sure i mean for all of the potential for this to go bad it was nice for him to keep but you know everyone was talking about it like he didn't come to the reception i'm sure he was supposed to give a speech and stuff and he just isn't there yeah and everyone knows why like i'm sure victoria could figure out why he wasn't there and right probably everyone else (laughs) yeah well it has to be one of those moments where it's like luke wilson from bottle rocket where it was just like i'm never gonna see any of these people again for the rest well of my yeah life, that's the thing know? the movie ends without ever checking back in with jack after the wedding so you don't really know if he just cut the cord with jack after this or what it Who knows? seems like it would be okay too you know yeah but you have your doubts though oh absolutely because of, he doesn't I mean, have much else going on sure it's a relatable situation everybody is waiting for him to commit suicide and it just never happens i know i get it yeah <laughs> It's everyone's expecting it. Everyone would probably just shrug when it did happen. Like, yeah, yep, well, well, we knew this was right. eventual. Yeah. But just not happening. Well, it's like, it's well, what happens things. when a suicidal person just doesn't commit suicide? It's one of those things where he kills himself <laughs> and people are just like, oh, I forgot he was still alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that he hadn't done that yet? Right, yeah. <laughs> so some time passes. We're not really sure how much. He falls back into a routine of teaching English. Seems like he's living a pretty solitary, quiet life at this point. He comes home one day. There's a voicemail from Maya. Wow. How does she, she references a letter oh. that he wrote her yeah. that we never right. saw. We don't know what it said. True. And she has now finished his book. <laughs> it took like a year. Yeah. That's it's like book. three years later. Right. <laughs> and she seems like she kind of liked it. I mean, she definitely 
seems way too perfect and yes. too much of a fantasy. It's Thank like you. everything that you would possibly want, she does. All of these great characteristics, all of the sim- shared interests, all of these things, plus she says that she likes this book. Yeah, which, I mean, she can't actually Why like would it. she like Miles this much? Right. Miles has literally nothing going for him, and he's kind of an asshole. Absolutely. It's one of those things. It's a It's a dream for people like me. Yeah. <laughs> You think you and uh, Virginia Madsen might get it going? Yeah, we still have a chance. Yeah, I think so. The movie eventually ends with Miles knocking on Maya's door. We don't see her answer it, so we don't really know her reaction. <laughs> Not home. Has moved. She's just like, no thanks. Yeah. I do love that she mentions in the voicemail, like, oh, if you ever come back up here, I want you to visit me and that kind of stuff. So he takes that to mean I'm going to drive up immediately. Right. <laughs> yeah. You do think, like, there's nothing in the voicemail She's remarried that remarried and pregnant. Yeah, there's nothing in the voicemail that would indicate that she's Let's get it that going desperate to get yeah. this going. It's more of just like, hey, if I maybe like again, a peace treaty. Like, yeah. I don't hate you, but, you know, yeah, I want you to stay in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you ever come back up this way, maybe they'll let you back in the hitching post. Potentially. I'm going to have to talk to some people. Yeah. Well, yeah, in her message, she says that she's finally graduating and may not be working at the hitching post that much longer. True. So, who knows? Although I think she might be a little optimistic about her job prospects. Yeah, she's basically going to go from being a waitress to doing what Stephanie was doing, right. just like pouring wine yeah, at yeah. a winery. <laughs> anyway, follow the show on classic Twitter. movie. It was a great time period. Absolutely, two thousand four was a big year. It definitely reminds me of a time too, like the the years following, where I did see a lot of movies in the theater, but like how many movies I was like getting caught up on on like HBO, like I would get caught up on like the last year's worth of movies always on like HBO on demand. It's something that I don't really do now. Right. It's the ever evolving climate of the way that we see movies. It definitely helped shape my interest in the Academy Awards and prestige movies and, and, and good end of the year movies. And, uh, you know, if I would have been getting into that on, in a different year, I may not have stayed as interested in, in going to the movies for these, this type of stuff. It just so happened to be a year where things like Sideways and Closer and all the stuff yeah. I found to be really entertaining. Certainly continue to be a big Alexander Payne fan and follow his career. Yeah, and it's fun to revisit this one every few years. You know, I, think I agree with that. Sometimes some more time goes by or whatever and you you forget how funny this is. Watching it to get ready for this podcast, I was laughing a lot. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies that if someone hasn't seen, I'm always like, we should watch it. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Okay, so recommendations for this week. Matt says he has zero. I'm going to give two. First one, there is a little bit of a Wings connection. I'm going to recommend It. By Stephen King, an audiobook read by Stephen Weber of Wings fame. We mentioned it when we did the Stephen King's It miniseries way back when, almost two years ago on the pod. I've listened to it all the way through several times. It's like 50 hours long. It's unbelievable. Okay. Now, the reason I'm recommending it is if you have a smartphone or whatever, you can download the Audible app, and there are ways to get a free book. I paid okay. nothing for this. I never signed up to do 
anything beyond a free trial and you just can get one free book out of it. I chose one that's like 50 fucking hours long. I'm interested. And it's always great to listen to. It's a really strong performance from Weber doing all the different voices and everything, which I'm sure a lot of the people do who read these books. I need to figure out a time to try to fit this in. I need a long road trip. It's just really well done and enjoyable. And I'm trying to work my way through it rapidly as we speak to get to It Chapter 2, which will come out the weekend that we post this episode. Right. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish it. There's just, just We so pre-ordered long. our tickets already. Yeah, we're ready. We ready. <laughs> and my second recommendation is The Good Place, Season 3, ah, new Kristen to Bell. Netflix. Yeah, the first two seasons have been on Netflix for a long time. They've added the third season. It's an NBC show. It's very rewatchable. It's much in the same vein as Parks and Rec and The Office. It's probably not as funny as those two. I don't really think I laugh out loud all that often watching it, but okay. the characters are fun and the story is kind of interesting and goes in a lot of different directions that the first time you watch it, you're probably not quite expecting. Stars Ted Dance and Kristen Bell. Oh, wow. Among others. Pretty fun. And like I said, okay. they just added season three to Netflix. All right. How so, many uh, episodes in a season? I don't know, like 12 or 13 or okay. something. Okay. That's manageable. Half yeah. hour or hour? Half hour. So they're okay. like 22 minutes. Cool. I'm yeah. on board. You can burn through it real fast. Alrighty. I know I've watched the first two seasons a bunch of times. The third season, I think I only watched once weekly as it aired. I didn't. I haven't watched it in reruns yet, so probably okay. jump back in on Netflix now. Well, thank you for that recommendation, both of those. Sure. Follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean. Continue to tell your friends Make sure you've downloaded Wish Upon a Star. Absolutely. And listen to it. It's Text our me. masterpiece. Share some feedback. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be real busy with new content, so make sure you're subscribed and keeping up with everything that we are putting up in the next month and a half or so. It's going to be a wild time. It is. So hold on to your butts, as they say. Oh, sure. All right. We'll see you next time. The night runs away with the day.
You were in the the Beatles, and uh, you did that um, album Abbey Road, and uh, at the very end of the song, uh, it was, song it goes, uh, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. You remember that? <laughs> yes. Uh, is that true? Yes, Chris. In, in my experience, it is, I find the more you give, the more you get. Oh. <laughs> Stop it. 